year we are going to journey through Advent. When we stop and think about it, there are similarities between going on a road trip somewhere in our car and the story of Jesus being born. It's helpful for us to think about before Christmas. Everyone is invited to go, regardless of whether you've ever gone before or how many times you've made the journey. Where I grew up, the summers were stifling. So each year, our family would head to Santa Cruz for vacation, where it was much cooler and so much fun. That tradition became a highlight for our family, and I would count the days until we could pack up and head for the beach. Kind of like a family vacation, we go every year to visit the manger. Just like we go see family or trek to our favorite places, there's something that keeps us coming back to Bethlehem. Since this is a trip we take every Advent, how do we go and have it mean more than the same old thing? One answer is because each time we go on an annual trip, we are a year older. We are different. Think about my family trips to the coast for a second. When I was small, I cared about being able to get into the ocean without getting walloped by the waves. When I was a teenager, I cared about going shopping downtown. And when I was older and had a child of my own, I wanted to show my daughter the seals and take her on the merry-go-round to carry on the fun with her. Every time we come to Advent, we are different people. A year has transpired. What are the hopes and the fears that we bring to the manger this season? What has happened this year that makes our perspective of the incarnation different than the last time we visited or at any other time in our lives? The year of 2020 has been labeled many things by various people. It's been rough. And our real trips to different places have largely been disrupted. It's been painful to not be able to be with people we love who are far away or travel to the places we were scheduled to see. However, nothing can stop our going to see Jesus. Our earthly traditions around that visit may look different, but our spiritual journey to Bethlehem could be and should be more meaningful because of what's transpiring for us here. We need it to be something that impacts our souls because this is a journey most of us really love. The Lord is asking us to pack our bags because he's ready to meet us. We're invited just as we are. We're welcomed to a familiar place but as people who have grown and been impacted greatly by the events of the world, we want to know him. So as we go, we might ask ourselves, what does this particular journey right now mean to me? What do we most need out of it as a community of faith? Who is it that we could invite to come along with us? Before we go on a trip, it's important that we plan things out. We need a map or a GPS. We consult different guides and look for the easiest or the most scenic routes to take. We want to know where we're going 
so we know how to get there. We want to make sure we arrive at the correct destination. God planned a long time ago for Jesus to be born. He built an expectation by making a roadmap of sorts that people could follow because he didn't want them to miss it. In the Old Testament, there are over 300 prophecies that refer to the one who would come to save God's people and rule with equity and peace. Jesus fulfills all of those prophecies. You know how when you look at a map and it doesn't look like real land? We have an amazing two-year-old niece who loves the map of the United States. She can tell you by pointing where many states are located. So we bought her a map for her wall. And one day after she was showing us Texas and Alabama and all of her favorite states, she said, look, Texas is purple and Illinois is orange. And her mom explained to her, oh yeah, so in real life, those states aren't just that color, that in those places there are roads and trees and lakes just like where we live. I'm not sure she believed it. A map shows us where something is located. But it isn't until we see it for ourselves that we understand what it truly looks like and how it connects to other places. The scriptures foretold a savior, but it wasn't until he came that the picture became more clear. The people thought that the place that God was taking them was going to look a certain way. And even when they got there, some of them just couldn't recognize it. We think about Jesus on the road to Emmaus, the first Easter, with two of the disciples, rebuking them for not understanding what had happened on the cross. And in Luke, Jesus says this, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets that have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Today, we look at a short section of the map found in the book of Micah. This scripture is used when the wise men come to inquire of King Herod, how is it that they are going to be able to find the child who was born king of the Jews? So Herod calls his royal advisors, and he says, where is this place? And they remind Herod that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. And then they quote this scripture, Micah 5, 1 through 5, written about 700 years before Christ's birth, says this. Now you are walled around with a wall. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the ruler of Israel upon the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathra, you are one of the little clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me, one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of, all of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, 
in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall live secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be the one of peace. As we read this, we know God speaks in each moment of history to that particular time. He also speaks for what will come. The prophet Micah lived in a turbulent season of Israel's history, right as part of the nation was falling to the mighty Assyrian Empire, which Micah had predicted. The only choice that they had really was to trust Yahweh, because there was no other path for survival. Yet there was widespread corruption and hypocrisy at every level among the people, including the leaders and the priests. In their blatant lack of disobedience and disregard for what they knew to be right, they thought God would rescue them anyway because of their covenant with him. Micah's job was to tell them this would not be the case. Verse 1 is helpful for us to understand what is happening. There is such hopelessness in Jerusalem. The people are in distress. There is no good news. They are under siege. They are walled in with no place to go, and their leader is being struck across the face as if with a rod. Most of Micah is full of this kind of lament and pain. It just goes on and on until we get to verse 2 of chapter 5. And then on that road to perdition, there is a signpost of hope. It's important, as Jesus said, to know what was foreshadowed to happen, and yet we don't just look at the accuracy of the predictions to prove something. We want to see how they show the truth about the Messiah, which was affirmed then by Jesus's life. So let's think about some of the truths we see here that Jesus embodied. First, God often uses the obscure and insignificant to make the most change. His chosen ruler would come out of such a small place. Most of us would have chosen a big-name city, yet it is in Bethlehem where the Savior would be born. This one, Micah says, would lead from ancient of days and would be brought forth at just the right time. Remember when Jesus was teaching and he said, Before Abraham was, I am. But notice something else interesting. They are about to get crushed by their superpower neighbor, and God tells them that he's going to help them by giving them a shepherd. I'm not sure that would have made them feel better. Just as God uses the least among the clans, he will solve their problem, ultimately not with a warrior, but with an unlikely hero who will lead them like a flock of sheep into peace. This ruler will restore stability and be recognized as great among the nations. Have you ever looked at a map and it showed you a little blue star or something of where you uh, are currently located? My navigational skills aren't too great, so I love it when I can find a map that tells me where I am because then I can get the lay of the landscape and I can see clearly where I'm going. This is what prophecies do, especially this one. Micah is telling the people of God, here is where you are. Here is where your blue star is. 
you are in the middle of defeat. It's been bad and it's going to get worse. You are lost. You can't fulfill the law. You are besieged and will soon be struck down. But remember Israel, remember people of God. Your ultimate destination is not where you are currently located. You alone can't get to where you need to be. But God, the Almighty, can lead you there. God has a plan to move his people to the place of his cho choosing with a new kind of leader who will stand, Micah says, and feed the flock in the strength of the Lord. He has a plan, Micah says, for you to arrive where you need to be, not under your control, not under your will, not in the validation of your impressiveness, certainly not in your arrogance and sin, but you will be moved by the strength of the Lord because there is a shepherd coming who will rule in majesty in the name of Yahweh. We begin Advent, the start of a new year for Christians by figuring out where we are. Before we can strike out on a journey to Bethlehem, we have to first recognize the pain that we are in. So let's not jump to singing joy to the world until we acknowledge the ways we have been walled in and under attack. Even though so much seems to have fallen apart and there is distress and chaos in many different sectors, God is faithful. He never abandons his people. He has a plan to care. He has a plan to care for us. Like Israel in Micah's time, we might want to be any place but where we are. And the prophet speaks to us and says, yeah, that's good. Because God is going to take you to a new location of his choosing. Part of knowing where we are and where God is leading us as his people happens in the sacrament of communion. By taking the elements that represent Jesus's body and blood, we remember the shepherd who died for us so that we might be secure in him. No matter where we're living or what is happening, we know that he is leading us in our journey and we know that the point of our trip isn't a place, but it's a person found in the God who saves us. May our Advent journey this year lead us to know Jesus more as our great shepherd, no matter where our travels take us. Micah's words continue to come true. Today we are blessed that the one who came to save is here to feed his flock in the strength of the Lord. The first step of our Advent journey begins as we acknowledge our need for a Savior at this point in our lives. He meets us where we are and will continue to guide us through all of eternity until we see Him face to face. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.